My interview today is with my cousin, Kelsey Cliff. When people ask me if twins run in the family, I always say no, because I have close to 50 cousins, and I don't think two of us having twins constitutes, quote, twins running in the family. But she had her first four kids within two and a half years, and then she has another kid. So she has five kids total, including a set of girl twins. She talks about giving her kids a sense of identity and individuality, as well as her journey with cancer. Hi, I'm Amber. I have five young kids, including a set of boy-girl twins. My kids were all born within six and a half years of each other. It's a lot of kids in a little amount of time. It has been quite the journey parenting all these kids so close in age. I've learned a lot over the years, and people often come to me for advice. But let's be honest, I don't know everything. And in those cases, I turn to other moms for their advice. I believe that people living it and doing it are the real experts. So that's why each week I'll sit down with a real expert, one of my friends, a mom like you, to get all the advice you asked for and some you didn't. This is Neighborhood Twin Mom. Welcome to the neighborhood. Kelsey is my first cousin. When I was little, I always thought you were so much older than me. Now that I'm adult, I realize we're basically the same age. (laughs) But you have older kids than me and your twins are a little bit older which is why I wanted to talk to you about having school-age kids. But before you tell us that, why don't you introduce your family, how old your kids are, and how you became a twin mom? My kids are, my oldest is a boy, and he is 15. His name's Charlie. My next one is Aurora, and she's 14. And then my twins are 13, Liliana and Gemma. And then my youngest is Benton, and he is nine. I became a twin mom (laughs) by pure accident, and by surprise. So they were obviously very close to my other kids in age and it was not planned, but now we're grateful for them. So how many months exactly are Aurora and the twins apart? The twins and Aurora are 16 months apart. So I found out I was having twins pretty soon after we got pregnant and getting pregnant that quick after Aurora was already a surprise. I was like, I can handle this. It's okay, I can handle this. And then I remember going in for the ultrasound and the tech telling me, he's like, I think I see two. And I remember just bawling. I was just crying because I was like, no, I have, let's see, Charlie was one and Aurora was like six months old. Then they told me I was having twins and I was like, this can't be happening. (laughs) So they're very close because Charlie and Aurora are only 14 months apart. And then the twins after Aurora are 16 months apart. So they're pretty close. Was your husband with you when you had the ultrasound? Yes. And he laughed. He thought it, I don't know if he was just hysterical because he's like, this can't be happening. But I think that he was trying to help me feel better because he saw that I was crying, but he saw it before the tech even said anything. He's like, yeah, I've been to enough of these that I can kind of tell that there are two babies in there. And so that was interesting. It wasn't necessarily unexpected because Aurora, my older daughter, she was actually a twin as well, but we lost her twin. And so apparently I am good at making twins. I remember when I went in for the ultrasound and they told us that we had lost Aurora's twin. I remember my mom trying to make me feel better and being like, you know what though, that would have been really hard, you know, and that kind of thing, especially with Charlie being so close. And then when we found out the twins, I was having the twins, I was like, yeah, I remember how you said it was going to be really hard because Charlie was really close. Well, now I'm having twins, but now I've also have another child. It was an interesting day. I just remember thinking like being in kind of a fog because I thought this could not be happening, but it ended up okay. <laughs> you were young. Yeah, I was 
let's see, they were born in 2008. So I was 26 when the twins were born. I was 24 when I had Charlie, 25 when I had Aurora, 26 when I had the twins. And then Benton I had before I was 30. So all five of my kids were born before I was 30, which was maybe some people think that's normal. But for me, I was not expecting to have all my kids before 30. So that was nuts. And the labor and delivery, you had a, a C-section with Aurora, right? I had a C-section with Charlie and Aurora. Okay. So the twins, we already knew that we were going to have to have a C-section. The interesting thing is, is that they thought that they would come early. They thought that because all my other kids were so close, they thought that my twins would be early, but they ended up coming at 37 weeks. And that was only, I think, because I had an amniocentesis that day and they told me I couldn't deliver early because one of the baby's lungs wasn't developed. I think that amniocentesis put me into labor. And then I ended up having them that night. So it was at 37 weeks and it was a C-section. It was rough. The, the worst part was that while I was, while I was on the table, I started just hemorrhaging. And so I ended up having to have transfusions and Lily went in, Liliana went into the NICU. And so I didn't get to see Lily for the first day and a half because I was so out of it and because of the transfusions and the loss of blood and everything. So I couldn't go and see her in the NICU. So I didn't even get to see her for the first day and a half. Luckily, Ben was able to go and see her, but that was really hard. I just remember the nurses freaking out because I was losing blood so fast and they could not get my, <laughs> my uterus just would not contract. I don't know if that's a normal twin thing, but it wouldn't go back to normal size. And so it was just it would contract. I guess that's the point is that it was just pushing more and more blood out. And so I know this is kind of graphic, I guess. I don't know how graphic you want. <laughs> you're, you're a doctor's wife. You probably don't. <laughs> I'm like graphic. What's that? <laughs> your, your birth story is much, much crazier. So this is probably not that big a deal, but I just remember thinking that nurses were very paranoid that things, they could not get the blood to stop going. And so they were afraid that I was going to not not do well afterwards, but it turned out okay. I think that was the hardest thing about the delivery was not being able to see Lily for a day and a half. And they kept on asking me to pump to nurse her. And I was like, I can't keep my eyes open. They would call me and say, can you pump so that we can feed her? And I would fall asleep on the phone with them and they would get mad at me. I did not like that. So sometimes the nurses, I understand their their need to push you, but it also drove me crazy because I was like, I'm trying to stay awake. I can't stay awake. I'm so tired. <laughs> that was hard. But I was surprised that I even held them in until 37 weeks because I was so close to the others. And because mine was considered a high-risk pregnancy because of Charlie, my oldest was born with a brain disorder. I had so many ultrasounds with my twins because they wanted to watch for it to reoccur, it to make sure it wasn't reoccurring. But so did you have a C-section scheduled, but then because you kind of went into labor, then they did an emergency C-section that day? Or were you already scheduled to have the C-section that day? They said we, first of all, they didn't plan for me to go that long. So we didn't schedule anything because they just figured I would deliver early. So they said, if you don't deliver by 37 weeks, then we will do an amniocentesis to make sure that they, which if people don't know, that's just like a big needle that they put into your stomach to draw out amniotic fluid to, to see how developed your babies are. Usually it doesn't have, cause any problems because it's such a, you know, it, it's your amniotic sac heals up real fast or whatever it seals up. So they did it and they happened to get Lily's amniotic sac. They said it was underdeveloped and because her lungs weren't quite ready yet, even at 37 weeks. And so they said I couldn't deliver. And I remember going home from that meeting crying or that 
that procedure or whatever crying because I was just so ready to be done. I was huge. So they said, we'll try again in a week. So I went home and I decided that who cares what they said? <laughs> I was gonna. So I walked around campus because we were at college. I walked around campus with my mom for like three hours, you know, pushing a double stroller with my one-year-old and six-month-old or whatever. <laughs> or not six-month-old, sorry. I guess she was one and a half. Charlie was two and a half. Rora was one and a half, almost, not even one. And I, so I pushed him around campus and then I went to bed and about, it was about one o'clock at night. I remember feeling like it really, the only way I can describe it is it felt like a tsunami in my stomach. And I was like, what in the heck? And I think one of the babies kicked or something. And I, my water always broke, like as in with my other two, my water broke. I know that that's not, I guess not as common, but for me it was. And so and it was like a tsunami in my stomach. I don't know how other twin moms handled it, but it felt like a tidal wave went through my stomach. And I sat straight up in bed and I called my husband and I was like, uh, Ben, that's all. I, I was like, uh, I don't know what just happened. And then all of a sudden it was like Niagara Falls. <laughs> it was just crazy. I've never experienced that because with my other kids, my water broke, but it wasn't you know, it was, it was like the typical one where they're always like, I can't tell if I just wet my pants. Whereas me, I'm like, no, 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 there is, it seems like somebody just turned on a fire hose coming out of me. <laughs> so I definitely knew that my water broke and the contractions with my twins, because I was already so massive, were so painful. Like it was so horrible because the contractions just, and then I think the babies were moving so much and stuff like that. So that was, so it wasn't planned technically because they told me to wait another week but obviously when that happened they had to do a c-section anyways we were planning on a c-section so it wasn't that big a deal and they were able to get me back pretty fast so that was good and that's funny that you say tsunami as soon as you said that i was like oh yeah that's kind of how it felt with my twins where it was like almost one was like jumping over the other one or something now that you said that i have like a little bit of flashback i'm like yeah yeah i know what you're talking about that's kind of how it was when when my twins were born too so you had the labor and delivery the c-section went kind of well except for you one of the babies had to go to the NICU but she wasn't in the NICU for very long though no she was only in there for like two days and they are die die twins tell me what that means That's oh so like terrible. separate sacs separate placenta yeah they were the funny thing is with Rora being a twin which I assume she was fraternal because they were both in different sacs as well but I know that that depending on when it splits it could be that identical twins can be in different sacs. We never had them tested, but I don't think because Aurora was a twin, I don't think that they are identical because that's more of a fluke, right? Whereas fraternal, you know, see how, see how much uh, information I have researched on this, you know, probably way more than I do, but I just always assume that fraternal is more of like, this comes because you drop two eggs. And so I just assumed that that's the way I was and that they were fraternal, even though they did and still do look very much alike. So I don't, yeah. I just assumed that they were fraternal. One of these days I'm going to pay for that test because I'm pretty sure yeah. they're identical. People always think that the girls are triplets. The boys look different. The girls do, my mom growing up, she had the same thing where, no, not the same thing. Sorry. She lost a baby before my older sister. And she was always convinced that that baby was just not ready to come down from heaven and that that baby was actually my older sister Dion and that she just needed some more time or something like that and so part of me in my mind I remember telling my kids that story and they always said well maybe I was one of those twins that 
the Lord just told me he didn't want me to come down with Aurora. He want, we were supposed to come down together. And I just think that's a cute way of thinking of it. And looking now at their, you know, their bond, of course, they're super close with Aurora too. I mean, they might as well be triplets, but sometimes I wonder, I'm like, maybe, maybe that, that little spirit was just supposed to come down at a different time. And especially because they're close in age, they do look very much alike. The twins obviously do look very much alike. And most people still have a hard time telling them apart, even though they're 13. Although my kids, my twins have never been the kind of twins who dress alike and they have different, very different personalities, even though they are best friends and you almost never see them apart from each other. They are definitely different, very different personalities. Do you feel like you've had to work hard at helping other people see them as different people? And you're, they're in separate classes. No, they're actually, well, yes, they are. They've always been in separate classes. The year before last, before everything went crazy and they were in sixth grade, we actually asked, we told them, we said, we don't mind them being in some of the same classes. Cause you know, once they got into sixth grade, they had the seven period classes and they actually didn't have any classes together. And they were really disappointed because they thought this is the first year that we're going to have classes together because I had always put them in separate classes, mostly because they are so attached to each other that I was afraid that they would not branch out and make friends, which it's hard because one of them does make friends easier than the other because she's really like, I don't care whether you like me or not. Whereas the other one is she's so, not that the other one's not loving, but and I'm not using names on purpose just in case they ever listen to this. I don't want them to know who I think is more loving. No, one is very much like she wants to be everybody's friend and I think that, you know, there's just something about that in kids where kids are like, oh, if you want to be my friend, somehow I don't want to. And so I did worry about that because one of them just made friends, no problem. And the other one, it was a little bit more of a struggle. And she was always the one who, if the other twin made friends, she was kind of almost like a tag along, which sounds bad. When they'd go to recess, that's what I'd worry about because they'd go to recess and they'd be together. They'd play together and they wouldn't play with anybody else. And that's I was worried about that. I, I think that's something that even siblings, you have to be careful that they don't become too. But then again, with COVID, thank goodness that they're close because we homeschooled all year and at least they got, <laughs> they get along with their classmates when they're homeschooled. I'm hoping that this coming year, they will get to have some classes together because I think they've always wanted that, even though I've never put them in the same class. So we'll see. I've asked for it. We'll just see. But yeah, they've before this, they've always been in separate classes. Do you do other things to help them with their individuality or help other people to see them differently? Yeah. I mean, I never dress them alike, which is not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's mostly it was for me because, because I could not for a while, I couldn't even tell them apart. We got their ears pierced when they were nine months old because they have little bracelets. One was pink and one was purple when they were babies, but one of them finally broke it. For a couple of days, we put Sharpie on their foot, but they that washed up real fast. And I'm like, we can't not know which one because they were down to the ounce. They were exactly the same for like the first four years of their life. And so there would have been no, when they were babies, especially almost no way to tell which one was which. So they always had some kind of marking on them to tell us which one was which. And so we got their ears pierced when they were nine months, one with pink and one with purple. And that lasted until Gemma decided to do, take it out and stuff it up her nose. And so- when she was three, that was horrific. So we always dressed them differently, mostly so we could tell them apart because I was like, I need to know. So nothing against moms who dress their kids alike. I always thought that, that would be so cute, but I just knew that I would probably mix them up in some kind of 
psychological damage would be done. But other than that, we let them do their own thing. They have very different talents. And so we try to make sure that they work on those talents separately. We don't try uh, to put them all in the same, if they have extracurricular activities. If one of them wants to do it, that's great. If the other one doesn't, I don't make them do it. They do have a lot of the same loves. They both love art a lot, but their styles, it's kind of cool because their style even comes down to their style of art is so different. And I think that one of the things that I learned from them is because they, they're hard on themselves if they don't think their art is as good as their sisters or especially Aurora's because they're, she's their older sister and they always compare themselves to her too. But going in just saying, you know what? Different arts are great. Not If everybody liked the same thing, if everybody was good at the same type of art, then that would be really hard. And it's a good learning thing for me because my sisters are crazy creative and I'm constantly comparing myself to my sisters. And so I have to remind myself that if I'm telling them to not compare themselves to each other, then I have to do the same. And so it's an interesting situation with any kids, whether you have twins or whether just regular singletons, just to remember that if there was no difference and no variation in the world, how boring it would be. But other than that, I mean, they, they love to do a lot of the same stuff, but they, they are very different in the fact that like I said, one's way outgoing and she loves drama, which to me is terrifying. This in itself, just talking on a, a podcast is terrifying. <laughs> so I always have to remind myself, it's okay if she loves this. You push her, you know, let her do their thing. But I have to stop myself because there are times where I think I don't want her to get hurt. Should I not push her on this? Because the rejection is hard, but she just loves it. She does, does well. And then that's Lily and Gemma is very much, she would be fine drawing and sitting in the background and doing the stage sets and stuff like that. And so I I think that they in themselves have become very different. And I just don't, it did take me a long time to remember not to buy them the same presents for their birthdays. Cause I mean, even with all your kids, sometimes you're like, Oh, I have to make this even. And so it's even harder when they share a birthday and you're like, Oh, I can't get one. But in the last couple of years, I recognized that they are different. And so they don't get identical presents anymore. They get stuff that individual to them. And I think that that has helped them a little bit more to recognize that they can be their own person. How do you do birthdays? Do you do birthdays differently for them than you do for your other kids? The funny thing is, is my boys are both within a week of each other in August, like their birthdays, even though they're big difference in the ages. Charlie, my oldest, has autism and he's got a very young personality. He doesn't mind doing the same birthday as Benton. So like as in the same birthday party type of stuff, they both are into Pokemon and kids stuff, even though Charlie's getting older and he's 15, he still loves kids stuff. So this is the first year that Charlie and Benton have actually said, hey, we want our own birthdays. And I always ask my twins, I say, we can have separate birthdays. We don't usually do friend parties very often just because in a family with five kids, it gets a little overwhelming. So every once in a while we will, but their friends tend to be the same anyway. So if we did, we would join them. But I've asked them before. I said, do you guys want to have separate birthdays? We can do two parties. It's okay. But they always say they want to do it together. We do do two different cakes because they have two different loves. We usually, and my cake decorating skills are horrific. So I usually do, you know, just two, whatever flavor they want, two different cakes, and then put whatever figures on top that have to do with what they love that year so that they do have 
something special that's their individual thing, but they always want to have it together. So they have the option of having it separate. I always give them that option, but they want to do it together. There's a lot of things where I think, do you want to do this separate? And they're like, no. And I really think that I do worry about that sometimes, which a lot of twins moms might, that I worry that they are not being able to be their individual selves because of their own wants to be together. I don't know if that is, I know that's not with all twins, but mine, if they're not on the same team for a game or something like that, especially out in school and things like that, they get really nervous. They really want to be together all the time. And they talk about going to college and living together. And and I'm like, you guys are going to have a hard time when you get married and move away. And they act like, no, we'll just live next door to each other. I'm like, this is, reality is going to be hard when you guys realize that your husbands might not have the same jobs and the same area. And so as they get older, I'm sure that they'll, they'll grow out of it. But right now they just are happy doing the same thing together. This episode brought to you by Betty's. It's an all-in-one fitted sheet blanket comforter set for your bed. It makes the bed making experience easy. Get it? Bed ease. The fitted sheet fits around your mattress with thick elastic and then with the heavy duty zipper, blanket, top sheet, comforter combined, zip to the fitted sheet, making it very easy to make the bed. Once the bed is zipped, it looks like a hotel bed. You know, the sheets are all perfectly secured under the mattress and the top sheet comforter is smooth and taut. One of my favorite parts is that the inventor and CEO of Betty's is a twin mom. She was frustrated when her twin boys wouldn't or couldn't make their beds on their bunk beds. So she set out to find an easier solution. Enter Betty's. I personally have purchased four bedding sets. I have a set on my queen size storage bed. I no longer have a comforter flapping down getting stuck in the drawers. We also have three twin size beddies on our triple trundle bed. If you've ever tried to make a trundle bed or any bed pushed up against a wall, you know that it is a difficult task. But with Betty's, since you just zip all the pieces together, my kids can easily make their beds by themselves. Try it out for yourself with my promo link. You'll receive $50 off your order. They also have a 14 day, no questions asked return policy. You won't regret it though. I convinced my mom to get two sets for the grandkid bunk beds at her house too. They even have special sized ones for your RV or trailer. Oh, and every Betty set comes with two coordinating pillowcases. Remember, use my promo link in the show notes to receive $50 off your purchase. But you got to live next to your best friend, right? When your twins were babies? That's true. Yes. We had a duplex and one of my best friends, Kathy, actually was at the birth. Well, I mean, not in the room. They wouldn't let anybody except for Ben in the room, but she was there with me, which was a blessing because Lily was in the NICU. She and my other best friend, Amy, lived next door to us um, on the other side of the duplex, which is crazy that we were able to do that. It was such a blessing. I remember visiting you when the twins were little with my mom and my mom was just chatting you up and I could tell you were stressed out. I was like, mom, why are we here? Like, we need to leave her alone. But both of your friends were like over like folding clothes and people were taking care of kids. I'm like, like little village at your house. Yeah, it really was. And the thing is that, I mean, it was crazy that I had four kids while my husband was still going to school because that was obviously not planned. But because of that, I was still near family who was also going to the same college. So that was awesome because I look back and I think the amount of work that it took to take care of four babies, especially because Charlie didn't start walking until he was like three. So all of my kids, all four of my kids were crawling at the same time. In fact, Aurora walked first because she's just 
that's just her always into everything. I'm so grateful. I look back now and I'm so grateful. My parents didn't live too far away. They lived maybe just four or five hours. And so my mom was able to come over. And after my twins were born, I had to go back into the hospital for a week because the twins gave me lots of problems. Lots of, I mean, they didn't give me problems, but the pregnancy caused lots of problems. I had to have my gallbladder out, but they didn't take it out in time. And so it gave me pancreatitis. So I was in the hospital for a week when they were like two weeks old. And so Ben would bring them up to me and I would nurse them and then pump when they were gone and they would take it home. And so I was in there for a week. Hard thing is that when you have pancreatitis, you can't eat or drink anything, not even water. And so I look back now and I think there was some kind of divine intervention that I was even producing anything to feed these babies because I wasn't eating or drinking anything because I couldn't because I was so sick and they wouldn't allow it. So that was pretty nuts, but I was very blessed to have my mother-in-law be able to come. My mom was there some part of the time, like she was there for forever. I feel like she probably was ready to go by the time, (laughs) by the time I finally got home and settled. I had a ton of family and friends nearby, which was a huge blessing. Now talking about your health, tell me about you were recently diagnosed with cancer and you have Mm -hmm. five kids. What was that journey like? Well, it was hard, but then also because I'm religious and because I had a strong, I just had a strong feeling that things were going to be, that they were going to be okay. I was diagnosed with colon cancer. It's been about two years now. And it was a fluke that they even were able to find it because I really just think that there was that, like I said, divine intervention with that. I just don't think that there was any other way that they would have found it because I've struggled with health issues a lot in my life. And one of them is I have chronic fatigue. And so they are constantly doing blood work on me to figure out, try to figure out what it is. They actually, after I had some weird symptoms, they actually did some routine blood work that they usually do on me. And my iron was really low. It was like eight. The doctor could have just put me on iron pills like every other doctor had before. But instead he said, we really need to figure out where you're losing blood. Because after Benton, I had to have a hysterectomy. I knew that it wasn't that. It was, so they were trying to figure out where, why my iron was just dropping so fast. So they sent me in for a colonoscopy, which is weird at my age. Cause I was at the time I was 37 and that's weird to get a colonoscopy at that age, unless you're, unless they request it for you. And so I went in and they said, at most, it's probably an ulcer. That's probably what it is, which knowing me is very, I thought was pretty likely because I am a ball of stress all the time, just because that's my personality. I went in and when I woke up, they told me that they had found cancer and it didn't really set in because that wasn't even something I was expecting. I I mean, as in that wasn't even a thought. I didn't even think that that was a possibility. So I wasn't really prepared for that. Then right after they said, but you know, it's pretty localized. We should be able to surgically get rid of it and you should be fine. You won't have to do chemo or anything. And I thought, oh, that's great. Which looking back, I think is another tender mercy from the Lord that he, that I didn't get it all piled on me at once because if they had said, oh, and you have to do chemo and all this, that would have been, I think, too much for me to handle. So they sent it in to be biopsied. Oh, the crazy thing is that they took my blood work and they said there was no cancer markers in my blood at all. So had I not gone in for that colonoscopy, they wouldn't have even known, even through blood work, there's no way they would have known because I'm weird like that. And apparently my blood doesn't show anything. I went in and had a colon resection, which means they just took out the whole right side of my colon and my appendix and all that. Then they just reattached it to my small intestines. I thought that that was going to be it. 
But then they called me a week later and said that it had gone to my lymph nodes, which makes it stage three. And so they said that I was going to have to do chemo. And of course, in my brain, my thought was, I've seen people do chemo and I've seen people not do chemo, but being as young as I was, and my kids being as young as I was, I wanted to do the most aggressive thing possible. Cause I was like, I just wanted to make sure that it was gone. So I chose to do chemo and I went in and I had to do 12 rounds. Then they got to 10 rounds and it was affecting my heart too much. So they had to stop. But by that time it had pretty much taken care of what it was supposed to do. So I went in for my CT scan a couple months later and it was all gone. Right now I'm in remission, which is awesome. And so now mostly just for the next five years, they just have to watch. I have to go in for CT scans all the time and go in and see my oncologist all the time. I mean, chemo was not fun. That was harder than the cancer since I didn't even know I had cancer before. It went relatively smooth compared to a lot of others. So that was a blessing. And how did you tell your kids and how did that work out with my mom had cancer when I was little and it was devastating. Yeah. And I remember the crazy thing is I remember people reaching out to me, including your, my cousin, your brother and his wife and saying that and saying like, how are you doing? Cause I remember, in fact, they did that after my hysterectomy as well, because they remember saying that your mom did have a really hard time with that. And your mom's hysterectomy was related directly to her cancer. Mine was actually started when my twins were born because I mean, as in I had one more after that, but they trashed my insides. So, <laughs> so I had to, I remember people reaching out and saying stuff about, I have had family members and this is really hard. I really think that I was kind of in a fog, not in a bad fog, but like a protective fog, because when we talked to the kids about it, first of all, I don't think that they've ever really experienced anybody else with cancer. I think had they experienced more people or known more people who had it, it might've been scarier for them. But when Ben and I talked to him, it was really more of like, we just came right out and said, this is what it is, but we're not worried about it. You don't need to worry about it because we really feel strongly that everything's going to work out fine. And that was just, I think that because we downplayed it maybe more than we even felt, I don't think that we would have downplayed it had it been, had we really felt like it was an aggressive cancer that was that there was a possibility of it being terminal. I think that we would have been honest with them that way. But because we knew that from what we had been told from our doctors and everything, they, they had a, a lot of confidence that it was going to be able to be taken care of. So there were days that I think my kids were more clingy than others and stuff like that, especially because of the chemo. I had to miss out on things that I wouldn't normally have had to miss out on. That was really hard. There was my daughter got to go and meet the governor because she did this invention. And I remember being in chemo, sitting in the chair, doing it or whatever, when she was going in. And I remember just crying because I thought, this is one of the biggest things that I've had to miss because of this. And I was grateful that everything was being taken care of. But I also, that was one of the first times I recognized what it was taking from me. But she was, she got to experience it with her dad and her little brother got to go. And so that was awesome. And I got to see pictures and stuff, but I just remember thinking for the most part, it hadn't made a huge impact on us, but that was one of the first times where I thought this stinks. This is taken away from me things that I wouldn't, I wish that I wasn't missing out on, but luckily I really do feel like 
the cancer made my marriage stronger because I am kind of a prideful person who doesn't like to accept help and doesn't like to. And I think that it was a big eye opener on how much my husband wanted to help, how much he wanted to He's always wanted to help. He's just, that's his personality. He's a helper. And I think that I've always kind of been like, I can do things. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then the chemo was kind of a slap in the face because it was like, no, you physically cannot do things on your own. It's not a matter of like, oh, I'm just tired this day. It was like, I could not do things. There was days where I was just throwing up or just too, too sick or in too much pain to move. And I had to let my husband do things and of course he was awesome at it, but it was very humbling to have to tell somebody else, I need your help. And in the end, I look back and I think, you know what? I always look as that as a weakness, needing somebody else's help. And yet because of never accepting anybody's help, how many people didn't get to do what they would love to do because I would never accept help in the past. And so it was an eye-opener to see, and it was very arrogant of me to think that without me, things would fall apart, you know? And in reality, my husband did amazing. He did great. And my kids were fine and they're living. And yes, we missed out on things and we didn't do everything we had wanted to. It was great that my husband was there to help. I'm glad that you're in remission now. Do you have any parting words, Kelsey? I think that the reason why I didn't put my girls in the same class all these years is that I was really thinking that no teacher deserves to be ganged up on by my twins (laughs) because they're not they're not mean but they definitely use that to their advantage they will be like they will say stuff i i've noticed that growing up they would get out of not get out of things they would use their buddy bond to do things that most normal singleton kids might not do because for example when they were little we used to put them to bed like for a nap And we'd go in there and they would rip up all of the books. They would tear the books to shreds. And looking back now, I'm like, well, that was kind of my own fault for putting them back in the same room with books again. But they did it multiple times. And it was almost like they have this confidence that, well, at least if I get in trouble, I'm getting in trouble with somebody else. Whereas most singleton kids, I don't think feel that because they think, oh, I'm in this on my own. But they would do things that my other kids never would do. One of my favorite stories is when they were little, they used to, and this was with Aurora too, probably because they were all so close to each other, but they used to come out of their rooms and horse around at bedtime in their rooms. They like play and just like do things that they were like, I don't care if mom and dad get mad. And so we would come in because they were very attached to like their baby blankets and things like that. This was when they were like three. Yeah, they were three because it was before we moved from Texas. They would just go crazy. And so we would start to take away their baby blankets and be like, okay, you don't get your baby blankets. Well, it didn't stop them that night or whatever. So they just kept on horsing around and stuff. And it was getting later and later. And me and Ben were getting more and more tired. And so we went in there and we took away their comforters. And then we took away their pillows. (laughs) And then we finally took away their sheets because we were just, you know, you get to the point where you're like, I don't know what else to do because these consequences are not working. And I remember walking out of the room (laughs) with their sheets. So they're like laying on their bare mattresses. And this is sound horrible, but I was so upset. And I remember Gemma saying, thank you so much for taking my blankets. I was really hot. (laughs) And I just remember being so mad because I was like, no, this is supposed to affect you. (laughs) 
like this is supposed to be a consequence and she's turning it into a like i'm doing her a favor and she was three and they were just both like yeah yeah mom's doing us a favor by taking all of our blankets but that's just how they were they were like we don't care we're in this together we have each other and if that's all that matters it doesn't matter what we do because if we're in trouble at least we're in trouble together that's pretty much been the uh, sum up of my entire life with my twins right there <laughs> well why don't you um plug your etsy shop if you want the gosneys all my gosney cousins stole all of the arts genes and took all of the artistic abilities oh, like i said my sisters are amazing they are the real artists i do portraits watercolor portraits and my etsy shop is actually named after my twins it's called jj and lou because since they were babies i called Gemma jj and liliana i called her lou those were their nicknames and it just always kind of rolled off jj and lou and so i am on etsy at jj and dot lou and i'm also on instagram and lately we've been getting into miniatures because we love it i love it more than my kids so starting next month i am going to be starting to sell the miniatures that we make that go into like dollhouses and things like that so on the same yeah, etsy I, shop yeah it'll be on the same etsy shop and do house portraits and family portraits that's that are jj and lou and then my instagram for my miniatures is just JJ and Lou minis with with periods in between each word. We so. say portraits. You do watercolor portraits of houses and of people. And I've ordered mm -hmm. several from you. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them because they make people cry. It's my yeah. favorite gift. Well, I love them because having a big family is one of those things where you can never take a picture where everybody looks at the camera or everybody's looking well and you don't have to worry about dressing anybody up. You just you can paint it however you want. And so you can paint them all looking good. And I like it because I can paint myself skinnier if I want to. So I do. <laughs> so they're more like cartoon, not cartoons, but they're not like super realistic paintings. They're more of fun because that's just kind of how our family is. Our family's more like, I don't know, cartoons, not the right word, but they're more fun so that you can kind of put special meanings into them. They're not exact replicas of a portrait. So right they're faceless watercolor pictures i did a picture for my mother-in-law of her childhood home that made her cry i did a portrait for my sister-in-law whose son passed away a family picture so that she could have all her kids in one picture so that's a good thing too or if you have a big yeah. family that can't be all together well thank you kelsey and i appreciate yeah. all the time and your cute girls who i'm sure are around the corner thank you girls yeah. <laughs> they said bye they wait bye. thanks for hanging out with me today if you want to hang out some more, you can follow me on Instagram at Neighborhood Twin Mom. If you want more info on what we talked about in this episode or a transcription of the audio, head to NeighborhoodTwinMom.com. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating and review. This helps other people be able to find the podcast. Music for this episode was composed by Cameron Norby. Find more of his work on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>